Now, we all know that Martin can metabolise a pint in five minutes, but I bet even he wouldn't turn his nose up at getting free beer delivered to his door. Yes, our friends at Beer 52 are offering our listeners a free case of eight unique craft beers. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF and cover the postage of $5.95. Beer 52 is the world's largest beer club. Even Big Mandy is welcome, but not Colin. He's an utter bozo. Each month, members are sent a crate of beer with different themes. Don't like dark beer? Then choose the light option. Comes with a magazine and two snacks, BLT and crumpets not included. Don't be a cockwomble. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF to get this amazing offer. That's www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF. This podcast is sponsored by Stoney's Bar and Grill Sirencester. Get the Christmas party started at Stoney's with tables available for up to 50 people or buffets for up to 70 people. Hurry and book yours now before they all go by calling 01285 642 006 or visiting www.stoney's.co. Let the festivities begin! I'm Martin McClue. What the actual fuck? Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow? This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Welcome, what the actual fuckers. How are you? We are here again for another very special episode. Uh, And I'm here... As we know, he's as stylish as Len, and he's as popular as Slugs. It's my co-host, Neil. So you're sticking with that? That's going to be the end. Yeah, we're going to so do that. So every week I'm going to have that? Unless I can think of something better, but at the moment, that's about as good as I can get. Because Hasht- it's, it's accurate and it's funny. Hashtag <laughs> WTAF. All right? Yes. Now, um, we've been very lucky with the guests that we've had so far. We've had Ashley. We uh, have. And in the last episode, we had uh, Martin Mucklow himself. Uh, and as this podcast is called What the Actual... I've already sworn, which I really feel I shouldn't do, because no. our guest today is a man of the cloth. It's... Uh, <laughs> so we, I'm, I'm going to ask him in a, in a second whether we're allowed to swear or not, Neil. OK. So you may need to, like, curb your, your, your voice and your language. Oh, I'm going to go very... Um, what's the word? Sort of proper. OK. Proper, OK? OK, that's fine. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the Reverend Francis Seaton himself... Paul Shahidi. Hello, Paul. Hello, it's lovely to be here. <laughs> Hello, Paul. Fantastic. We're, we, we've been very, very lucky in the fact that we've been able to very early on in the podcast get a lot of the people that are involved in, in this country. So thank you very much for joining us. Very first question. Uh, are we allowed to swear as you are a man of the cloth? Well, I've spoken to the Bishop of Gloucester and he has given you special dispensation tonight. So you can F and Jeff away. <laughs> but you must... Oh, no, it's the wrong, it's the wrong um, religion. I was going to say, but you must confess tomorrow. But <laughs> yeah, that's no. obviously not going to work. 
I was just going to say, well, thank fuck for that. So that's all right. So we've got that out of the way. Um, Paul, Don't feel inhibited. Yes, okay. <laughs> right, so we're here to talk about this country and the first series has already aired and um, been a great success and very, very funny. I would like to ask, Paul, when did you first become involved with it? Uh, well, it was, so we filmed last year around, oh, it's the same time as this year, it was around sort of September time. I think I had a meeting with um, Daisy and Charlie and Tom, uh, the director, and actually um, Paul, their dad, was there reading in. That was in June, I think, or July. Uh, I was just filming uh, something else, and I I kind of snuck out of rehearsals and uh, came and met them. Uh, Loved meeting them, but as always, as an actor, you kind of learn, you know, through hard experience not to not to uh, allow yourself to think too long and hard after you've had the meeting because, you know, you don't get half the things you've done. But I was I, I met them then and um, I heard back, <clears throat> I think, a few weeks later. Uh, but, you know, I remember even at the time just thinking how lovely they were, but also how great the scripts were. Well, I had one script uh, and I, I immediately warmed to the character of the vicar. <laughs> So, so what was the instruction of you with that character then? Was, it, was there any baselines that you could follow straight away or was it something that you could just work with Daisy and Charlie? Do, do you mean in the meeting? Or, yeah, um... in regards to, like you say, you were drawn to the character of the vicar. What, what was that, that that drew you to him? Oh, well, I, I could immediately see, it was just for, even from the little snippets I was given for the audition, uh, I, I could immediately sense he was a very warm character and that he was the kind of calm in, mm. in the storm uh, of Kerry and Curtin, uh, and, as it turned out, a lot of other people in the village. Um, and I, I immediately liked that, and it made me kind of... It, it made me kind of really drawn to the, the, the characters in general and the script, because I felt like these were real people. And, like anything, if it's rooted in a truth... And, and a reality, and, and there was a warmth towards all the characters, I felt. Uh, I, I kind of thought that you can have great fun with that and still remain truthful. So you can go quite far mm. with those kind of characters. But I really, I was really enjoying being the kind of straight man almost to to any, everyone, <laughs> everyone else. Uh, um, and I, I, I'm very fond of... Uh, I've, I've met some lovely vicars in my time. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was it was just a lovely character, and you know, it just I was really grabbed by the way he, he responds to to all their shenanigans. Mm. So, how long after the meeting in June then did you find out that you got the role? I, my memory, if I've got this right, I think it was about three weeks afterwards, something like that. Um, and you know, as I was saying, I was filming, I was filming. Uh, actually, it's a film that's just come out called The Death of Stalin. Mm. This film. Uh, and I, I was just starting filming when I heard, and I thought, oh, that's lovely. In fact, I've got a very clear memory, because I, I grew up in Oxford. I was driving back to London from filming, and I was through, you know those, like, chalk cliffs you go through in the Chilterns yeah. from Oxford to the M40? I was going through there, and my agent rang to say, oh, they've, they've offered you this role. And I thought, oh, great, you know, and not knowing what was in store, but thinking, well, that'll be the next job after I finish this film and um yes so it it wasn't very long at all really after i'd done the meeting Mm. so obviously being you said you you sort of like the straight man of the show how hard was it to film and stay the straight man and not corpse a lot 
Oh, God. I mean, it was just very hard. I mean, they're, they're innately funny people, uh, Daisy and Charlie, but, but all, of, all of the actors are just so wonderful in it. Um, but most of my stuff with, was with Daisy and Charlie, and um, there was a lot of corpsing at one point. I mean, there was one episode, uh, it was a GMVQ episode, where, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, the, let's not beat around the bush. It was the, the Vickers ball bag scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't tell you the number of times we had to do that. Yeah. And I was just crying with laughter. And to the extent where I thought, I am a professional. Come on, remind <laughs> yourself, I'm a professional. Otherwise, we will never get through this. And they were corpsing. Uh, and I was just it was excruciating, except uh, just a, a delight at the same time. And there, there have been many moments where you kind of go through the corpsing barrier and you come out the other side eventually, kind of, it's like a fire that's burnt itself out and then you do the scene. Um, but they're very, very funny people, Daisy and Charlie. I mean, Charlie, in particular, I seem to, he just has to kind of start smiling and it kind of sets me off. So I've had to learn to kind of discipline myself quite quite harshly when mm. I'm working with, with Charlie. Mm. Um, but no, there's a lot of corpsing, but then we do we do get down to it, you know, and, yeah. and kind of, it's, but um, it's huge fun. Well, the, the characters of the Reverend and Charlie, uh, uh, sorry, Curtin, they've got this special bond, haven't they? Because I think if you look at what Curtin gets up to in the whole series, the only person that he won't lie to or, like you say, have shenanigans with is the Reverend. I mean, he may lie to start with, but it's the Reverend that always seems to put him straight. Is that something that uh, you sort of worked on? Like you say, you, you were quite close with Charlie and Daisy. Is that something that you sort of worked on in regards to the characters? Yeah, I, I mean, I felt from day one, I had a very strong sense that the way to, to play my character, I can only speak for my character, and I think, but I think it's there in, in everyone's performance, is, is to play it as truthfully as possible. And, you know, the comedy will take care of itself because it's there in the writing. And in a sense, I do... <sighs> the vicar has to be as sort of earnest and serious as possible. It's not like he, he has a sense of humor mm. and he's deeply humane, but you know, I think if I, I kind of decided quite early on that the, at the core of the vicar were a few things. One was a deep seated kindness. And the other was the fact that he really cares for Kerry and Curtin. Uh, you know, he, he and he, he is looking out for them and he feels responsible for them. And he's got this great sense of responsibility for his community. But, you know, we see it most of all with Kerry and Curtin. I mean, I, 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 you know, he is almost like a father figure to them. Mm. And I think they are almost like his children. Um, so, but, um, uh, and I felt like once we kind of established that kind of relationship, then, you know, like I say, you can you can go anywhere with the comedy there, but it was so it's so exquisitely written that, that you kind of I kind of felt that would take care of itself the comedy if we could get the kind of reality of our relationship. Yeah. Mm. So series two has just as we take it finished wrapping. Is that sort of relationship yeah. carrying on in series two? Yes, very much so. Um, they've written some beautiful stuff for 
uh, all the characters, but uh, and none more so than the vicar. Um, I mean, just without wanting to do any spoilers, but you know, every character is, has had has got a chance to expand and deepen in in the second series, uh, and you know, there are some lovely surprises with all the characters, um, and um, I think you will. I think people who enjoyed the first series, I hope. I think they will. They will be. Um, they'll. They'll really enjoy what what what's developing with all the characters in the second series. Mm. Now, one of the things that Ashley said, in reg- and what you've sort of uh, pointed on as well, is regards to the writing of the the scripts. When you go in for that first uh, rehearsal, or say the first um, time you're going up for the role, if you like. Did that hit you, the quality of the writing, in regards to... Well, you've been to other um, jobs and you've tried to get other parts. How different was that quality of writing? Did it hit you straight away? It just felt very truthful and it, and it was deeply funny. Mm. Uh, but it came out of situations and, it, and kind of the fact that you believed in those characters. And, I mean, I we were lucky. We had a day or two of rehearsing in London before we all decamped to uh, Northleach for filming. And um, I, I, in the rehearsals, we kind of became familiar with each other, which is hugely important. And, I mean, from day one, I felt that um, Tom George, the, the director, and Simon Mayhew Archer, the producer, and Daisy and Charlie were, were just really sensitive to us as performers. And obviously it kind of chosen us because they thought we were good but you know we're really showing that and they were really kind of taking our suggestions seriously um and uh, i kind of felt immediately kind of relaxed my shoulders just dropped and you just felt safe and felt like you were in really good hands you know and and that you know we're going to do some good work here uh, and do it well and the scripts were already in very good shape i think they worked They'd honed the scripts a lot. Um, and what I sensed early on and, and was borne out by the, the way we did work was that, you know, there would be some room for sort of improvising and ad-libbing around the scripts. Uh, and I think as we went on and got to know each other better and all of us became more and more relaxed with each other, that just became a very easy thing to slip into when it was needed and... Uh, and when it wasn't, we could do things just absolutely as scripted. But it it it, it was um, it was just you'd always have room in any take that we had to kind of go off off piste a bit and, and off the script and see where that led you, and knowing that it could all be edited. Mm, you know? mm. So the feedback for the first series and the reviews have been very favourable and very good. I mean, it was a very funny series. Have you had some great feedback yourself? Have you been recognised or? Um... <laughs> only been recognized i've only been recognized once and that was in the the turkish uh grocer's shop on the corner in london where i live <laughs> the, young, the young lad there turkish cypriot he said um are you do i know you and i was literally i was picking up some milk or something i mean this was last year uh this year earlier on and uh and i went oh i don't know and he said are you an actor and i went yeah and he said Vicar, I know. <laughs> it was just like he was the only person, but that's it. No, I've had no recognition whatsoever, which suits me fine. But um, I've had some lovely feedback from um, people about 
about the show and you know nice things said about about me too which is lovely but um you know people people seem to be people who, who love who, who like the show don't just like it they love it yeah the response has been phenomenal like you say i mean we were we were too, too, too <laughs> rather like Lawrence Llewellyn Byrne. We were humbled. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Paul, we were, what, was, what was your favourite episode then from the ser- first series? Oh, what was your gosh. personal favourite episode? So hard to pick. I mean, I'm not just saying this. I loathe looking at myself on the screen. I just find it the most unnatural thing in the world to do. Uh, as an actor, I just, I just find it really weird. I, 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 however, I have watched it all, obviously, and you know. I couldn't help like liking the moments that just brought back memories of, uh, you know, huge corpsing. So the GMVQ episode I loved, but I, I particularly also love the, the more serious moments where, well, there are so many, but you know, anything when big Mandy, you know, is walking past and, uh, can seems to have the hearing of a bat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just de- deeply, deeply afraid of her, the two of them. Uh, and also, I, I particularly loved um, the episode with um, Kerry and Curtin's dad uh, when mm. they're in the trailer in the in the in the caravan, and it's just heartbreaking as well as, mm. as, as incredibly funny. And I thought that was encapsulated in a nutshell why I think this, the writing and the you know the the, the program is is so special mm. i've always said that the, this country is is the best british comedy since the office and it has it has that same kind of it one minute it can make you laugh and then the next minute it can make you cry because the, the episode when kerry thinks that curtain is going off she it is so sad because you think she she th- feels like she's going to be all on her own and she's mm. going to have nobody um yeah. And it's that's what I love about the writing is the fact that one minute it can make you laugh, next minute it can make you cry. Um, yeah. There wasn't a question in that. I just wanted to say. <laughs> I, just I, to say. I agree, and I'm I'm so pleased you felt that. <laughs> a lot of other people felt that too, and I, I think that is that is what I got from it when I certainly when I read it when I read the scripts and um, you know on watching it it was borne out. I feel so. I'm very glad that you thought that too. <laughs> now, uh, we will come back to uh, this country. We just wanted to... We had a little look on IMDb at some of your uh, previous roles, and mm. we were struck by the fact that you, you play characters with very colourful names. Oh, yeah. What have I... Uh, well, you you had remind a, me. <laughs> Harry, Harry Balls in uh, Holy Flying Circus, which we thought yes. could have been read in a different way. Yeah. Uh, and well, Sir, Sir Barnet, deliberate. Yeah, and Sir Barnet Cox of Filth, the Mary Whitehouse story. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> and then also we noticed that there was another thing you were in called The Fear of Fanny, and we thought maybe there was some kind of <laughs> some kind of subliminal message you're trying to give us here. I'm like Mr. Dubler on time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's balls, cocks, and fannies everywhere on your IMDb. <laughs> and now I'm a vicar. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You're atoning for your sins. I think that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, I think I am. Um, I did want to quickly say about The Death of Stalin, what was it like working with... Someone I think is a genius in Armando Iannucci. Well, it, it was, I would agree. I mean, that word's often overused, isn't it? But he really was. And um, I felt just incredibly lucky to have worked with him and, you know, some of my comedy and acting heroes. I mean, I, I was on it, the shoot, pretty much for all of it, which was two months. And we had two weeks of rehearsing as well. So, you know, and I spent a lot of time with with Armando and Steve Buscemi and 
you know, all those people, Michael Palin, for goodness sake. I mean, you know, wonderful people, absolutely wonderful people, Paul Whitehouse and, and Jeffrey Tambor and Simon Russell. I, I, um, I kind of had to pinch myself most days, to be honest. Uh, and Armando, I'd never worked with him. I'd always, um, I'd always admired his work, but it was, it was really, uh, it was a real education in, uh, kind of, and it was great for when I came to work on this country. Um, but you know, he would, he would do this thing as well, where which is very similar to the way Tom and Simon, producer and director, worked on this country, which was, um, it would be scripted. It would be very finely honed the script, and they were rewriting right up until the actual day of filming and then they sometimes even have rewrites on on as we were filming it um he would we would do it as scripted a couple of times always and then he would nearly always say right whether it was a scene with two of us or a scene with 20 people he'd say mess it up a bit you know within reason mess it up a bit have some fun with it play with it see where that goes Mm. and and because most of the scenes were not, generally speaking, we were not having to find our marks and be in certain positions. The camera would come and find us. That gave us a lot of freedom. Um, I mean, we didn't do a huge amount of, of improvising, but it was just around. We'd veer off a little bit and, and it would produce some nice kind of texture to the scenes. Um, and um, he was a delight to work with. I mean, he's he. it was one of the happiest experiences I've had on any job and and even um michael palin who has probably been working professionally for about 50 years or more said the same thing and i thought if he's saying that and then there really must be something special about it and i um i i mean we talked to armando about it afterwards we you know we met up and and he said well i have one golden rule which is i don't hire assholes <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that explains it so so, um yes it was it was a lovely experience do you enjoy improvising is that one thing that you like doing well it turns out i do um, i i i think we did a certain amount of that at drama school and i did do a bit of comedy you know when i was at university but i um i think it always made me feel a bit nervous for a long time and then i had to do it for, for a couple of things professionally. And then, it, you know, I did something in America before I was, uh, I went to film a pilot and some of that was improvised. Then I worked with Armando. It was like three things in a row. And then I worked with um, Charlie and Daisy and Tom and um, Simon. And they all involved a certain element of improvisation to a, late, a lesser or greater extent. And I, I, it's about kind of, it's almost going into a zone of just relaxing, knowing you know the lines and just the trick almost is just accepting any offer that comes your way mm. and being really relaxed about it, not overthinking it, your response, or trying to be consciously clever, just seeing where it leads. And if you know that the camera is just going to keep running, you you just become more and more relaxed with it. Um, but I, I do, I have really enjoyed that that side of things. Um, and, and it was a surprise to me because I, I didn't think I would. And I, yeah, I've really enjoyed that. It becomes quite addictive. You kind of want it on every job after you've done it. A few times. So when, when you're filming, is that is that your preference to do comedy over other things, do you think now? Well, I've always loved comedy. Um, and I've often got cast in comic roles. It's, you know, 
probably got an innately comic face, of, you know, moon <laughs> thing, double chinned and balding. You know, I was never going to play Romeo. Um, and um, I, I mean, it just takes me back to my <laughs> my first uh, my first thing after drama school when I was leaving drama school was um, was people I went to meet some agents who were interested in me. And it was a very exciting time. You know, you really want to need an agent when you leave drama school. And it's quite nerve wracking. Some people get agents, some people don't. And and I had no interest from agents until the the final week where I did a speech. And then I met a few. And I'll never forget, there was a hilarious agent, just as you would want an agent to be, who I went in at about four o'clock. He was a very reputable agent old school i mean he was in a blazer and tie and he sat me down in this like mastermind leather chair <laughs> and um and it was literally four o'clock and he was like paul uh would you like a drink uh and i went no i'm fine thanks <laughs> I'll, I'll just i'll just have a glass of water and he went carry to his assistant get paul a drink and this massive glass <laughs> of wine and he kind of literally what my memory is he spin he came up close to me and went three things you should know about yourself paul one you're losing your hair. Two, you've got a funny foreign name. Three, you'll never play Romeo. <laughs> but you can act. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, do you know what? I never went with him, and I really admired him. And he's absolutely right about those three things. I hope the fourth thing is true, but, you know, that's not for me to say. But he, he, is, um, he was absolutely right. And in a sense, I feel I could play any kind of role, but certain roles... I've never been interested in playing Hamlet, you know, to be honest, that's not been something that's grabbed me. And I I have played very serious roles and I've played sort of sinister, kind of very dark roles as well. Um, but uh, I think my favourite roles are ones that mix deep seriousness with comedy. And I think the best comedy has both of those light and dark in it. Mm. And I also fundamentally think... Uh, well, the best comedy has seriousness in it. So, so you know, as an actor, I will try, as a very crude rule of thumb, in, in things that are ostensibly comic, try and find the serious moments in them. Mm. And in things that are ostensibly serious, find some comic moments. I mean, it's there in all the great pieces of uh, drama ever. You know, you see in Shakespeare, he will, in the darkest moments in, say, Macbeth, there will be some funny stuff in there even yeah. within a speech. And that is human nature. And that's what real life is like in grim moments. There's grim humor. Um, and uh, I love that. And I think, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think the challenge of comedy is something I really relish. And I think comedy is hard to do. I think it's hard and it's brutal because you're either funny or you're not, or people go, you know, in a darkened theater, if you're doing something serious, I mean, they could be asleep or they could be really... <laughs> you just won't know. Yeah, well, yeah. You, you, you'll really know if they're not laughing, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but no, I like the mixture of things. I like the mixture. Right, now, yes, I, I was, I was going to say, sorry, I was going to say, there's always a question that I've wanted to ask, and you're the perfect person to ask regarding <laughs> one of your roles. Um, I've always wondered how somebody who is in a major shot of a movie, if you like but they're not a major person in the movie, how that experience is. Now, I saw the scene that you're in in Notting Hill. Mm, now, oh, now, yeah, now, you yeah. don't say anything, but you are pretty much on screen for the whole of that scene. 
what is the what's the experience for you as somebody that is you haven't got a speaking part but you're actually there do you do you mingle with julia roberts and hugh grant or are you away from them well it's that's a very good question because i talk to a lot of actors about this kind of thing i think um i did have two lines and they were cut oh right but, but the thing is when you've got less to do it becomes more pressurized and if you're just starting out which i was you in that scene i was really quite nervous and the, the my main thought was not what is my character thinking and doing this time is is i don't want to screw this up because there are 50 people in this room waiting to get this scene done and i don't i've got one line mm. and i just don't want to be the one that's the problem and i think it takes a good number of years or it did for me anyway because i i it was something I had to sort of learn is to kind of relax about that kind of thing because it's not good for your acting and it, it goes against being in character. But it's a huge pressure there. And the smaller your role, the greater the pressure. Funny enough, if you have a bigger role, you've got a story, you've got a character arc and you're, you've got, you feel more of the right to take your time and do things how you want to do it. And, you know, you relax about those things. But I think it's a real skill I had to learn to be relaxed even when I was doing smaller roles mm. and feel I deserve to be here without kind of turning into, you know, an actor with one line going, um, what's my motivation and sucking all the energy of the director at? But, yeah. you know, kind of going, I deserve to be here as much as the next person and I am not going to allow the gremlin on my shoulder telling me to just don't screw it up for everyone to be the main voice. Yeah. Um, and in answer to your other bit of the question, um, Julia Roberts and, I mean, it was a crowded restaurant. It was in Nobu, a really posh uh, sushi restaurant in London in Park Lane. And uh, Julia Roberts was delightful. Um, but, you know, she came, said hello, tiny bit of chat, and then kind of um, was just, I think, focusing. And I have complete respect for that. Hugh Grant was a joy he was just really chatty and um you know they they kind of as much as they could do put 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 me at my ease um but you know as i say i was contending with other things mm. Which, mm. which but it's a really interesting question because it's something i've talked about to a lot of other actors especially about with camera work and a lot, a lot of young actors i sort of say well you know don't allow that gremlin to be the dominant voice you know, you, you deserve to be there and, um, you know, just focus on the character, not not the job. Yeah. You know. Lovely. I've always wanted to know that. So thank yeah, you very much yeah, for answering great. that for me. Yeah. But you do feel nervous. One does feel nervous. Well, you, you were saying that you were just starting out and then you are in a scene with, at the time, two of the biggest movie stars oh, in the world. So you must have been nervous or were you starstruck maybe? I was a bit starstruck. I went to the read-through, even though I had one line, because I just wanted to see them in the flesh. Right. I mean, I could barely make look at her because I was just a bit overawed by the whole experience. But I, I, I you know, I'm glad I did. It was just part of my whole, you know, this whole <laughs> plethora of experiences you have as an actor. And I think you've got to enjoy those moments, you mm. know, and they're part of the rich tapestry, as it were. <laughs> I, was much, gonna, I, was, um, I was just going to say, at least your character name wasn't Johnny Butthole or yeah. something like that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I think Reese Ifan's got all the, the that kind of. That's, yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was just um, going to ask quickly, Paul. Do you do much stage work? Then are you still? Have you got a heart still on the stage? Yeah, I do a lot of stage work. I mean, I've I kind of that's tradition. That's the training we have in this country. Mm. It's very much stage based, and I am, um, you know, I'd say until recently, nearly, you know, not everything, but you know, the well, still actually. Most of my work has been stage work, um, and it's only in the last few years when I've really kind of made a concerted decision to kind of be brave as an actor and say no to nice stage work in order to remain available for um, film and television. Uh, that I've started to do more film and television, and um, that's the juggling act. You know, mm. a lot of actors have is if you're lucky enough to work at all, um, you have to sometimes say no to lovely stage work in order to be free to get the telly and film work but mm. in the process you may need to be unemployed for a bit right yeah <laughs> uh, it's a risk you take but you know i've done so many stage plays that have kind of been maybe a year long or six months long with you know in the west end or the rsc or the national and you can't really do much else i mean i love those jobs don't get me wrong but um but you know my agents my agent would have said would have said stuff like you know they're all checking your availability but you're never free and then they reached a point they i reached a point where i thought i want to do more television and film work i've really enjoyed the bits i have done and, and i think it will be something i want to explore more and so you know made a very conscious decision to go right I've done one play at the beginning of the year. I'm now going to say no to lots of plays mm. and see what happens. You know, discuss it with my wife and mm. <laughs> say, look, look at our hang balance. Are we okay? Can we do this? And, you know, it's a team thing, team effort, as it mm. were. But, um, yeah, I, I, but stage work is is just something I, I love. It's kind of why I became an actor. Lovely. Right, before we let you go, um, we're going to make you work a little bit now. We've got a little quiz for oh, you. No, you- Tell me about this. Uh, we don't like to win. Whenever we do quizzes on podcasts, we don't like to to get you know. It's always got to be a surprise. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so, um, so, so wrong, there'll be a tiny little bit of silence because I'm going to play the jingle. Or curtain. Right. This is called Kerry or Curtain. I'm going to give you a line of dialogue. You have to tell me whether it was Kerry or Curtain. Just to let okay. you know, uh, you have five of them. Uh, Ashley got three out of five. And uh, Paul Cooper, Martin Muckler himself, got all five correct. Oh, which is, which is yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, are you ready? Yeah. Here we go. Here's your first one. Staggering. I'm ashamed of myself. Curtain. Correct. It was curtain. Well done. Number two. Yeah. Oh my God! Can you lot shut up? It's embarrassing. Kerry. Well done. Yes, that's two. Number three. I can't have this conversation because I've got to go on Dragon's Den. Kerry. Correct. Number four, you ran away because I was boring you. Is that a joke? Kerry. That was Curtain. And number five, what sort of dog do you reckon that is? (laughs) Curtain. It was well, Curtain. Well four done. Out four out of five. Well A round of applause there. Well done, Thank sir. You. 
<laughs> right, well done. Uh, so, have you? What have you got coming up? Have you got anything that you're working on at the moment that you can tell us about, or have you got anything that's coming up uh, apart from series two of this? Apart country? from series two, obviously. Uh, apart from series two, which uh, you know, can't wait. Um, I well, I did. Um, I did a little bit on a Disney film with you and McGregor about. Um, it's a Winnie the Pooh film, actually. Oh right, okay. Christopher Robin. There's one that's come out just now, but this is a, another one next coming out next year. Had a little part in that, and then I've got. Coming up, I've got um, uh, a part in this thing called Good Omens, which is oh. filming at the moment. With um, it, it's a Neil da- Gaiman, Terry Pratchett and, novel. Uh, te- um, David Tennant, isn't it? And and Michael Sheen. That's, that's it. Oh, that, I'm excited for that because the book is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a lot of people's favourite book. Uh, you know, it's um, so you feel like huge responsibility. It's a cast of hundreds as far as i can tell and it, it looks like it's going to be an amazing uh, production and uh yeah i'm i'm going to be um i'm going to be playing an angel in that oh, wow well, look at that the next the <laughs> next <laughs> the next step, step from a vicar, vicar that is <laughs> you've jumped the exactly. archbishop and gone straight for it <laughs> yeah <laughs> for the next one after that you're going to be god aren't you i think that's the... well you know come on there's always that there at the end like if i'm uh, lucky well, Paul, thank you so much for, for oh, spending some time yeah, with us. Brilliant. It's been so much fun. Thank you for having me. It's been a r- real pleasure, guys. Thank you. Thank uh, you very much. Just a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, if you want to come and join us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, it's at WTAF This Country. Um, you can find all of our podcasts on pancast.co.uk and uh, anything else? Patreon. Patreon. Come and join us on Patreon. Uh, for just $1 a month, you can come and get a, 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 a pride of place on our roll of honour on our website. So that's patreon.com forward slash pancast. There's just loads of other out. rewards out there, isn't Absolutely. There? Loads of others. Uh, and they're all good fun. Brilliant. So that's it. Thank you for very much. episode four. That was fantastic. Wasn't that fantastic? Was thank great. you very much again, Paul. Thank you're you very, very welcome. Much. Thank you for asking. Thank me. you, and thank you very much, Neil. Thank you very much, Pavel. And Paul, whenever you're in the Cotswolds again, let us know because we're we're literally five minutes away from North Leach. So, oh, uh, wonderful. We we'll have a pride of place in our little studio, and you can come and visit us properly. I'd love that. Oh, maybe we'd a group visit with the cast. As Wouldn't well. that be great? Wouldn't that be fantastic? Yeah, there Absolutely. must be something we can do. Yes, uh, and when you get that part as God, also let us know about that. <laughs> we'll interview. <laughs> yeah, about we'll it. do. Oh <laughs> uh, dear. So thank you very much, everyone, and we'll see you all again soon. Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. <laughs> Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hi, I'm Pavo. And I'm Neil. And we're in the cockpit of the That's No Moon podcast. And we're flying from a galaxy far, far away to bring you the hottest, the latest Star Wars weekly news. Hotter than the two sons of Tatooine. Every Wednesday, we'll bring you the -the up-to-the-minute news. And rumours and gossip from everything going on in the Star Wars universe. With special episodes including movie commentaries and trailer breakdowns. So, if you're looking for the best Star Wars podcast... 
to listen to while sat on the toilet having a poe. Or relaxing, drinking a nice glass of Qui-Gon gin and tonic. Visit our website, pancast.co.uk. Download them from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or other podcast apps. That's no moon. It's a podcast. Hi, I'm Pav. I'm Neil. We're here to tell you about our new exciting project, the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Phenomenal. That's right, Neil. We grab a guest or two, pick a subject, then bring our own Top 10s to the pod. Yes. It could be Top 10 scary movies, Top 10 swear words, Top 10 breakfast foods, anything. Oh, you saucy devil. Indeed, Neil. Our first episode will be online very soon, so subscribe on all your usual podcast platforms so you don't miss it. Yes. The Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's begin the countdown. Phenomenal. Phenomenal.